This episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. There are a lot of changes going on at Sinusoid right now, and they're all pretty awesome. Uh, one of the things, actually, I think was really cool of Sinusoid, not uh-huh. to pull the curtain back too much, um, but they've had products that they're like, we haven't, we took this to market a little fast. Let's back off. Let's back off. Let's let's take this back to R and D. And to me, like that, uh, something that speaks to the character of the guys who run it, their slate cables, their uh, Sasquatch cables, everything else, they're all looking great. But they're seeing things that, like, maybe they moved a little too fast on. This is a weird pitch. I know. I yeah, get yeah. it. But sometimes you just got to give props to guys for being great guys. They're great guys. They, they, they do their best to take care of their customer. They're trying to make the best product that they can. They have a lot of experience uh, in the music world, working with materials, like actually out in the field working with them, being the consumers of these things. And here they are making them, and they are setting the standards to what they want. So Head on over to sinusoid.com. Click on that little live chat button, and if Anthony answers, tell him 60 Cycle Hum said hi. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This episode is also brought to you by Walrus Audio, makers of the Monument Harmonic Tremolo. I did a demo for this a few weeks back, and I just got to say, I've been using it full time on my personal board. I love this pedal. It's a really great tremolo pedal. It's harmonic tremolo. It's standard tremolo. It's got all kind of neat waveform patterns in it. Like It's got the signature uh, monument waveform pattern, which is basically a randomizer. Oh, really? Like the uh, the waveform randomizes on you. Interesting. And it's just a really fun uh, little noise-making tool on there. Uh, it's got tap tempo on there with uh, all kinds of subdivisions. It's got external, external expression. Uh, external tap, all kinds of fun stuff. It's got a volume knob, which is personally uh, like the key thing to a good tremolo pedal. I will never again buy a tremolo pedal that does not have a volume control because you need to be able to turn up that volume to equalize out your drop in volume when you Crank engage it. that tremolo. Yeah, you could use you could roll back the depth and use it as a boost too. <laughs> like so many pedals, it's also a boost. All right, so go check out my demo of the monument. And uh, go check it out on Walrus's website and tell them that we sent you. Hey, this is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. What's your name? I've got a name. Yeah. I've got a name. Oh, hi, this is Steve. You're listening to CC Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Mm-hmm. I said podcast with, like, anger. I don't know why. Yeah, this is the angry podcast. We're full of hate. We haven't done an anger cast in, like, I forgot a about, couple years. I forgot about anger cast. Anger cast. Wasn't that a one-time thing? I, it was a one-time thing, but... You were like, we, we were angry about something before we started recording, and it spilled over into the podcast. Well, speaking of AngerCast, so some of my coworkers said that they would listen to our show if uh, if I had a rant feature. Okay. And what this started from was I was talking about um, at work how like just different artists... Where I'm just like, okay, I saw. So this is like the example, like Ed Sheeran. Do you know Ed Sheeran at all? 
Uh, no. Okay, so he's a uh, he's a uh, in the genre of white guy acoustic. Okay. Um, but he kind of like does like the looper pedal thing, and sure, he's got sure. some like funky stuff. And he basically sings a lot of I don't want to say a lot of songs, but a lot of his singles at least tend to be like about you know getting girls and stuff. But then he's just this really what a unique topic. Yeah, I don't think um, there's anyone who but writes then songs he's about just that. this really like doughy ginger Englishman. Okay, uh, like he's the like the opposite of like a smooth customer looking dude. Um, and so I was saying how like yeah he's just like. He's got to be in like my top ten most punchable pop artists. Whoa! And my coworkers were like, "Dude, if you worked in like if you had a, like a top ten punchable topic like on your show, I would listen to the show." So I was actually thinking about um, trying to. Well, since uh, we're sp- sixty cycle hum and not ten cycle hum, you should do a top sixty. It's really long. Okay. Well, maybe a top six. Okay. Um, so I was thinking about actually trying to do that as like a new mini sode segment. That'd be fun. Like for a while. But uh, basically, I think my coworkers just want to uh, listen to me like slug whiskey and, <laughs> and rant about pop culture. <laughs> uh, I don't know how well that actually fits in with our brand, but. I don't think it is. I don't think it strays too far from our brand. Like I. Like we had an off-topic episode where we went on on about hamburgers a while back. I think if we did minisodes that were like titled "off-topic," right, right, off-topic rant or right. something like that. Well, and I know? could l- turn that into like music review, like yeah, song yeah. reviews and pop song reviews and whatever. And I say pop like if it's on the radio, it's pop. Like right, right. Not like freaking Britney Spears' latest single reviews. It's but like pop is short for popular. Yeah, yeah. I'm using it in the broad sense. So anyway, um. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing that people would be into. If it's something you might be into, let me know. Um, what's new with you, Ryan? Uh, what's new with me is that I have been uh, just busting my butt making videos of the MV50 by Vox all week long. Yeah, dude. Like I- so many videos. I had a random week where I didn't have a lot of other work, and I got this amp in. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to lean into this and do this every day. <laughs> so I've just been making like a couple of videos every day of this thing. Uh, I'll give like kind of my short review here if, if you think that's a good idea. Yeah, you should do it. I think it sounds great. I think for 200 bucks, it sounds really great. as like a little tiny head that actually gets really loud. It sounds like a small wattage amp to me, though. Where it's being built as like a 50 watt amp, which makes you think it's going to be loud and like lots of headroom and really clear. The actual tonality of it is pretty like kind of small. It's it sounds like like a five watt amp huh. that happens to get as loud as a 50 watt amp. But Ryan on the 16 ohm setting, it's only claims to be a 12.5 watt amp. <laughs> Right, I have I have no idea how the ohms work or impedance works. I don't really understand so. I understand that in principle from from like uh, so so basically um I guess in solid state amps primarily uh-huh. uh where you you don't have like a I get an output transformer it's an output tra- I think it's output transformer so if you have um f- a f- amp designed to be 100 watt at 4 ohms 
can run it into an 8 ohm amp and you sacrifice half your power. 16 ohm amp and you sacrifice another half of your power, right? So that's why they say, well, it's a 50 watt amp at 4 ohms, but it's a 25 watt amp at 8 ohms, a 16 watt or a 12.5 watt amp at 16 ohms. But what I don't understand is if they have a switch that's supposed to allow you to like change the tap somehow on that. But again, if it doesn't have an output transformer, it's got to have some kind of. I have no, no if it idea. doesn't have an output transformer, then I don't. You're not really changing the taps. Uh, so I don't know. Some people were saying that in the comments that it sounded like it was the same volume at any level. That it was actually more of like a change in the EQ structure. That's what I heard when I I did a little video just on the impedance switch, and sixteen and eight ohm sounded identical to me, but once I dropped down to four ohm, like I got this low mid boost. That wasn't a volume boost. Right. I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit of volume as the low mids were being boosted, but the rest of the signals stayed intact. It just gave it a little bit more beef. But then some people were saying, oh, you wouldn't want to run it at that into a 16-ohm cab because it'll eventually like burn it out or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like Everyone's got a different idea of how this works, and everyone's like chiming in all at once. I don't. I don't know, guys. A lot. Well, I'll I'll tell you that a lot of that is old tube convention. Right. Right. So classic. The classic um, advice was always you can always go one step in either direction. So if your amp is designed for eight ohms, then you can use it at four ohms, eight ohms, or sixteen ohms. Fine. Um, I've also heard like, oh, well, you can go one step, but you can only go one step bigger. So if it's eight ohms, then you can do eight or sixteen. If you're four, then you can do four or eight, etc. If you're 16, you can only do 16. Uh, but that's kind of like the idea, part of the idea of why like 16 ohms is such like a popular speaker cab because uh, or speaker or speaker cab because it's more like of a universal speaker. Right. Plus, if you have two 16 ohm speakers in in uh, in parallel, then you have an eight ohm cab. Um. And if you have four, You're me. four of is... them in parallel, then you have a uh, a four ohm uh, half stack. But there's anyway. just too much math involved for um, me to wrap my head around this. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that's kind of like the thing. So in general, the reputation of solid state is it doesn't really matter. Now maybe there's some like volume considerations, but I know my acoustic head. I used to record with that without right. plugging in. But the box isn't fully solid state it's like hybrid it's got that tiny little tube in there but the tubes in the preamp most right right i mean i'm assuming it's in the preamp so that doesn't no, really is. matter yeah it's the preamp. Uh, when you're talking about uh output impedance it's only about what's going on in the power section yeah yeah like that i forget what the the power rating is on that tiny tube but it's like a fraction of what a normal tube right takes. it's tiny so any anyways i've i've enjoyed playing with this amp but i'm going to end up returning it is what it comes down to I actually got the return shipping today. Um, it has this built-in like power safety protection in it. Yeah. Where I did a test of it with it turned all the way up. With any normal amp, that would be fine. This amp does not like that, and it triggers this power safety thing. Yeah. Which, when it first happened, it made me think the amp was broken because it completely shut off. And I had to. I completely unplugged it and like put it all back together again, and it didn't turn on. Like I was fiddling around with it for like 10 or 15 minutes, put it back in the box. I decided I'm going to edit the footage I just got. I'm going to publish it as is. 
And then I go back like half an hour later. I'm like, you know what? I want to get video footage of it not working. I plug it all back in. Suddenly it's working again. So then the debate starts happening. I'm talking to people and they're like, well, this happened, that happened. Finally, someone on YouTube says, hey, check the box. There's a little like note in there about this problem. It's a, this little note that's just floating in the box like mm -hmm. they threw it in as an afterthought. It's like, hey, this has power protection. If you turn it all the way up running into a 16-ohm speaker, this is what's going to happen. It's like, why is this a thing? Like, why did they release this amp that shuts off if you turn it all the way up? That's the way people use amps, like, all the time. Right. Uh, well, and that's part of what makes me think that in the different modes, like, in 16-ohm mode, you're maybe you're cutting down from 50 to 12.5 watts, but you're not actually, like, switching anything when you're switching the modes, except for maybe some kind of EQing. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, like... It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense it, to me. The, the, I I feel like the labels should mean something different than yeah. It feels than like what they're trying to say. It feel, yeah, it feels like they're trying to say something different with it. But also, so, somebody mentioned that I think it's the MV50 Clean has a has a built-in attenuator. Yeah, something like that. Um. So I almost wonder if the impedance settings are trying to like describe a uh, a notch attenuator in like a weird way where 16 ohms you're not setting it to run at 16 ohms you're attenuating like 4x basically right at that at that point um and, There's something and then that would on. make actually it would make sense that you would have this shutdown protection in that mode because at that point you're like cranking full on um you're like you're you know you're dissipating a lot of heat there, so now you're at risk for overheating. Right, right. On your amp. But I was triggering this thing doing other things, like I'd put it in standby mode, and I did a, a video shootout like changing cabs, and like right. if it was on, and I unplugged the speaker cable and plugged a new one in, it would trigger the safety huh. and all sorts of things like that. I think I've had to reset this thing by unplugging it and plugging it all back in, like six or seven times already. Right. I'm just not stoked on the reliability of it that is so sensitive in that way. And I know that I'm doing odd things with it, like doing demos. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't feel super great confidence in it for that use. I did do a demo today of using it as a recording interface, like uh -huh. directly to the computer. And I thought it sounded great doing that. I could totally see someone using it. In that sort of way. And I heard it makes a good headphone amp. It makes a great headphone amp. Check out my headphone uh, demo. It uh, really kind of like blows the lid off the whole thing. Like it's really important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to return the thing. I think it sounds great. I think yeah. it, it really does. Just don't turn it all the way up. They should have built it as a 49 watt amp instead of 50. Well, and like rolled rolled back the dial. Put a little like put a little like metal stopper to keep you from turning the dial all the way up. Right. Well, if you think about um, like the quilter stuff, uh, I think that's kind of what quilter did is is the at least the mini mini one one oh one one oh one the one that we don't no no the tone block two hundred um, it's a two hundred watt amp but the dial on the front only goes to a hundred and then you just have all this like extra room or whatever right um, and they claim you know their whole thing is that that's where you know, a hundred like that hundred watt power level uh, with all this extra clean room. Like yeah, that's a headroom. 
Yeah, that's how you get. That's how, what gives quilters uh, like a unique solid state sound. And and, a, and a, instead of like, here's a hundred watt amp. It's a hundred watts at, at nine, and as soon as you get above nine, it just sounds like it's about to explode right, in a bad right. way. Um, I will say, I think my crate power block uh, has heat protection. Interesting. So I think I've shut that thing down. I think I was like using it outdoors or something. Oh, okay. Uh, and it got too hot. I mean, I'm fine with heat protection, but I like this thing triggers like after no time, like right. really quick. So I don't know. I'm I'm still having uh, some fun messing with it, but I'm going to return it this week for sure. Um, Do you have to? Oh, I guess you don't have to pay for return shipping. You just have to provide your own box. Something like that. I still got the box it came in, so. Mm. Just uh, I have to just pack it up and send it to drop it off at FedEx. All right, uh, should we get into uh, an ad? Let's do it. Do, 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 do. You singing a song, Steve? Yeah, that's what this ad makes me think of. Well, the guitar kind of looks like Mickey Mouse's head, so I kind of see what you're going with. You're trying to sing the, the little Disney jingle there. Um, this is a guitar... From Craigslist. Who sent this to us? Joe uh, Pekarski. Joe, Joe Pekarski. Guitar. New, handmade, hollow body, electric guitar for $800. Dang. There's a lot of funky going on here for $800. You want to read the copy? I've been woodworking for about 35 years and playing the guitar for 50 years. So I decided to combine the two and start making guitars. This is a large body, vintage style, hollow body electric. I tried something new to try and lessen the feedback problems that is common in hollow body electric guitars. I mounted the pickups suspended in the body so they are adjustable floating pickups. They are Dragonfire vintage humbucker pickups with Alnico 5 magnets. They can be adjusted up and down and do not touch the wood face of the guitar. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, you can see that in the next picture. There's a close-up. Okay. Uh, I have not had any feedback with my amp. At any volume, the top is made of bird's eye maple and the body and neck are oak. The fingerboard is rosewood. Uh, the neck is three pieces laminated together for strength and stability and has a low profile two-way truss rod. Weight is nine and a half pounds. The body is 17 inches at the widest point. I will be building other styles and will take custom orders. I have a short video on YouTube. You can hear how it sounds. There's a pile of things about this guitar that just drive me bonkers. Like, that are uh -huh. just burning my eyeballs out. Okay. First of all, the, the shape of the body mm -hmm. is hideous to me. It's just not balanced. It, I, You know, Gibson kind of... It's just not balanced. Understatement of the year, Steve. Have you ever seen the uh, ES-335... Uh, what model was it? S, I want to say... I'm not sure. You pull up a, a picture and I'll take a look, Steve. Uh, but the the top and lower horn on this, oh, I nailed it. Are nailed huge. it first time. They're huge. I can't believe. And I'm not talking like a long top horn, long bottom horn. Like these things. Like I see what you're talking about, but they're not nearly. But the the these horns are way 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 bigger than that. Like those are long horns for oh, a yeah, hollow yeah. body. Yeah, no, these, I mean, this is, I'm just talking about this ES-335, the solid body. That's what it makes me think of just because it's like, oh, it's a sure. semi-hollow or a shape, hollow body shape, but it's a, uh, you know. No, this, 
this guy like I think he just went crazy on the uh on the bandsaw without having much of a plan or he just doesn't have an eye for the way guitar should be shaped cuz this thing is crazy looking in a bad way and it looks way too big the body is huge yeah like yeah. the Call, I, calling it a large body is an understatement it looks like a giant octopus shape <laughs> No, Ryan, it looks like Mickey Mouse. That's, that's so why. Yeah, it looks kind of like Mickey Mouse. And the, the top horns are so round and so fat that they look like the round ears. Yeah. But the the horns swell out to be wider than the waist leading to them. I feel like this guitar kind of has a classic uh, case of... Of... Huh? Yeah, a lot you of... Know, huh? Like look at look at the controls. Look how close the knobs are together. It makes the body look even bigger. Yeah. The the guy's asking three hundred dollar or eight hundred dollars for what's effectively like a a project guitar, I guess. I mean, it's home built, but I don't he's know. got the it, GFS tremolo on this thing, right? Well, he's got the GFS tremolo or tremolo. Uh, he's got the Tre- tremola tremo, tremola. Uh, he's got the what is the correct way to say it? Tremolo tremolo tremolo. Okay. Uh, he's got these uh, Dragonfire pickups, which is another like import one. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily even say that like in a bad way. Um, no, it's I okay just, to know, use those parts. It's okay to use those parts. This isn't. It's another thing to like push this as like, oh, I'm this expert woodmaker. I've been playing guitar for fifty years. Here's the, here's the results. You know. Right. Right. I think that's where it goes off the rails a little is he, you know, I guess being a, I don't know. I got to say this, like, I mean, I guess because it's a, he built, he built everything from scratch. It sounds like, um, because I was kind of like, what does being an expert woodworker have to do with any of this? Like, right. You, it's a solid body guitar. No, this is hollow body. Oh, Oh yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's confusing because so, so it doesn't it have in. any it doesn't have any f holes in it. So it's confusing. If this thing was solid body, that would weigh a million pounds. Yeah, that's true. I bet he made it hollow body because he was like, "Uh oh, this is heavy." <laughs> so he went in and hollowed it out. Uh, something that drives me nuts, and I know this is something that occurs on standard guitars, standard ho- semi hollow and hollow body guitars, is that the the uh, the tremolo? Did I say it right? Yes. Is back so far because it's mounted to the tail. That the bar ends before it passes up the bridge, that drives me nuts. Right, right. So but you I know it's a standard thing that happens on you know like various. Right, bodies. but I see what you're saying. So like you can't even you can't really even like uh, you can't whammy it. You can't use the right. vibrato uh, while you're actually playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a little baby spider crawling up in front of my face. That's interesting. It's springtime. In my garage, um, yeah. There's and in Germany. <laughs> there's so much wrong with this, but let's talk about this weird pickup mounting. I don't understand it. I guess I can't really see it from this picture. Did you see this picture? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Um, so what's going on is that there are holes, and there's like a the router went funny on one of the holes here. I don't know if you can see that, Steve, but. You, like oh, a weird yeah, yeah. router bite in one of the holes. Yeah. So he didn't even do that great of a woodworking job on it. 
Brian, he's been doing woodworking for 35 years. Is there just sloppy routes? Like I, I don't do routes better than this, but I know that these are sloppy routes. Um, I do routes with a hand chisel. So there's these big holes in the top of the guitar that are bigger than the uh, the humbucker rings to hold the pickups. Yeah, and then the humbucker rings, I'm assuming, are mounted to the back panel of the guitar. Yeah, and so that there's no contact between the pickups, the pickup rings. And the the top soundboard of the what, guitar. What's the point of this? Is this to make it like more hollow body ish? It's to kill feedback, is what he was saying. Oh, because I you, that get, was... you get feedback because the pickups start resonating with the top of the guitar. Right. Okay. So that it makes sense in a way, but then I'm sure there's someone out there who has the argument that part of the tone of your guitar is the pickups vibrating with your guitar. Yeah. I don't know. But it, it makes sense in a way. I would be interested to see this concept executed in a cleaner fashion that looks better. Because this doesn't look fantastic. Like, if those were, he could have made this look a lot better if he put binding around those holes or made the holes look intentional or decorative somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it just kind of looks like. They're in these deep, dark holes. <laughs> like, it doesn't look great to me. Like, so much about this guitar, it doesn't look great. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's not. You can tell he really. It's not great. <laughs> my my first thought when I when I saw this and I was looking through the pictures is, did he make this as big as possible because he was really in love with this piece of bird's eye maple that he put on the top and he wanted to use as much of it as possible. Yeah. I can't imagine any other reason why this guitar would be these dimensions. Like it's so crazy looking. It's so crazy looking. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. No stars. I don't give this guitar any no stars. stars. Maybe it plays great. I watched the video of him playing it. Uh, it sounds like a guitar. He was playing it through a really clean but muddy amp, which was interesting. So <laughs> clean, I, clean but muddy. Yeah, like it was clean but dark. You know, uh, like a jazz, like, like, like a jazz like bright, setting. Bright but muddy. It wasn't bright. Warm but warm but uh, <laughs> warm but harsh. Warm but harsh. No, I'm I'm not a fan. Should we uh, jump into a topic? Yeah. Um, this was sent in by uh, Jonathan Michael Diaz, and by sent in and posted. You mean posted to the Facebook group? Yeah, and it was uh, from Rigs of Dad. Uh, it says Bernard Leshing is taking Tattoos Day to the extreme. Goes to show you don't need to spend hours in the gym to tone up your arms. You can get like, you can get the definition and strength you desire by simply repping the biggest and most powerful name in the industry in the Tatone Zone. Oh my gosh. Granted, Bernard plays a court model, Epi Gibby, but this is one that will last a lifetime. Who the hell is Bernard Leshing? I think he's just making, because this is from Riggs of Dad. Yeah. So he either made up a name or oh, okay. it's the name of the person who got the tattoo. Um, but anyway, this is an Epiphone Les Paul. It actually doesn't, isn't even, I, I don't think they say Les Paul brand. Yeah, this on is them. Just looks real scary. Bad, like this is a bad looking tattoo, right? Like, even uh, out- by bad, you mean, oh, bro, that's bad. Even like outside of it, someone choosing to tattoo an Epiphone headstock to themselves, which is kind of an ugly headstock. 
where those little side bites on yeah. the side. Like I could I would understand like Gibson headstock. No matter what you think about Gibson, I think the headstock's a lot prettier. Would you get a tattoo of it though? I wouldn't. But this headstock in just by itself is ugly, right? Like it's the pretty art rough. is ugly, like it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel bad for the guy. You know, tattoos are tattoos are a touchy subject because people get them and then they don't want to hear anything but positive remarks about them. Right. No one wants to hear someone say your tattoo looks bad. But this tattoo looks bad, right? It does. It's not it is not good. And also the strings are uncut. I'm going to critique that right now. They've got a tattoo of a headstock with the strings uncut. You know, they are cut, but they're cut not short enough. Who does that? This guy does. Like, if you cut the strings, cut them all the way. Why are you leaving like two inches of string on there? So you come, you have some extra string in case your string breaks. You just slide your string down. If your string breaks, that's not going to save you. How do you know, Ryan? Have you ever tried it? Yeah, my strings all break at the bridge, and they never break at the tuner. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Even if they broke at the tuner, that's not going to save you. That's not how strings work, Steve. What are you saying? That's ridiculous. What? I just feel bad for this guy that he got not only an Epiphone headstock tattooed on him, but that the art is so bad. It looks like... A really bad prison tattoo. <laughs> Maybe it was. It might be a prison tattoo. It is only tattoo. black and blue. I mean, those what are, are the only cir- two colors present? What are the circumstances you would get an Epiphone tattoo over, like, just choosing to upgrade yourself to a Gibson tattoo? It's probably a whole, like, a prison gang and, like, whoever. The Epiphone Les Pauls? Like, who, no, like, the boss of the gang has a Gibson tattoo and all of his underlings have Epiphone tattoos. <laughs> Let's be but honest. Then how do you ever work up the ranks? Let's be honest. It's well, you know, you can add a top part to the Epiphone headstock oh to make gosh. it a, turn into a Gibson headstock. I just feel bad for this. Go look at the pictures in the in the notes on the episode or on our Facebook group. Let's uh, let's jump into another ad. Yeah, this one was sent in by uh, Cedric Boaz. Wait, let's backtrack a little bit, Steve. If you were to get one piece of gear represented on you in a tattoo what would you get um oh man i was just gonna say something like mildly heretical uh i'm gonna say it anyway say it steve i would get a risen amplifiers tattoo oh my gosh steve uh, so i can wrap both my choice in uh in desired amps and my religion at the same time oh my gosh steven I feel like I would get like a Strymon tattoo just because it's text and it would like piss a lot of people off. <laughs> so you're going for like to piss people off. I don't know, man. I don't. You both. Oh, Siri. <laughs> what did I have my arm on my on my phone? <laughs> did you say seriously at some point? No, I didn't. I don't have that activated on my phone. But um, okay. What was I gonna say? Both of your options here have been kind of trolly, Steve. Like, That's true. What would That's you true. get for you, not to make other know. people angry? Um, what are you gonna, you're trying to say something about yourself. If I could get it looking good, I, I, 
got this this walrus hat at Nam. I seriously, you're gonna get like, a tattoo of a walrus hat. I think I would get a tattoo of the walrus audio logo. Really? Yeah, Do I, you like that? I logo? really like the logo. It's a pretty clever logo, and it's just a freaking walrus. And walruses are cool. And we're not saying that just because they're sponsoring this episode. No, like I literally, even like, um, I've had people people be like, "You're wearing hats a lot all of a sudden." I'm like, no, I mean, I am, but I'm really only wearing a hat all of a sudden. You like that hat? I like that hat. I want it. I need a. I need a uh, throw throw down on the hat game though. I'm, I think I want to start collecting gear hats. That's a cool so, idea. Um, I need to get a. I know Earthquaker has hats. Those are really the only two companies I've identified that have hats. Well, I'm going to go to Summer Nam, so I'll try to grab some for you. Yeah, see who has hats. Yeah, get them hats. Um, Hat game in the house. If I was going to get a gear tattoo, I feel like I'd get. I think I'd get a DoD 250. Oh, okay. Like tattooed on me somewhere. Like classic yellow box. I think it's a cool looking box. Two knobs. It's easy. I mean, there are some upsides to getting something like obvious, but not obvious. Like it's obvious it's some kind of like electronic thing. Yeah. You don't really necessarily have to explain it. And it'd be a full. I would have to explain a, a walrus. It'd be a full chest piece, and the knobs would be over my nipples. Dod two fifty, and my belly button would be the. Full oh switch. man, you're so classy. <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's How go. How did you get move, married? Move on to the next uh, ad. This is a uh, a Martin D four NT. Yeah, for a hundred bucks. Scuffed up, needs set up and new strings. Got it from a pawn shop. Brand new. These went for about $500. Open to any trades or offers. You know, the thing I really like about this Martin D4MT what? Is, uh, is that it's the model that they put out that uh, that says Guild on the headstock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, so I looked this up. This The Guild, in four, or Guild D4MT uh, typically sells for the three to $400 range. So, so that... The, the D4NT is the guild model number. That's not D4NT, the... yeah. So they just had a brain fart and wrote Martin by accident? I think so. Okay. That's um, really the most interesting part of this ad to me is that it's, there's a typo. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not about, it's, it's a little beat up, but as long as it was like structurally sound. Uh, oh, and, don't get me wrong. I'd buy a Guild for $100. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it'd definitely be worth it. Guild made some great guitars. Uh, I told the guy who posted this, I was like, so you're getting it right? And he's like, dude, like, Long Island is sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, at least for this kind of stuff, like, he's talking about, oh, like. Oh, look at the picture. It's, a mat- it's leaning on a mattress on the floor. Like, yeah. Mattress on the floor. That's code for serial killer, right? I don't know. I thought it was just code for hobo under the bridge i thought it was code for like college student honestly yeah i don't know i mean you you do that when you're young and dumb you're like i don't need a bed frame i'll just put my mattress on the floor then you grow up and you get that bed frame and you're like i can store so much stuff under this bed like yeah this, this i mean space there's pros and cons. To me i think about i think about mattress on the floor a lot um but the real issue too is is after you get to a certain point like you just get tired of getting off the floor yeah you're laying on the floor my, my like kid, what are you caveman my kid uh it is part of the paleo diet to uh to sleep on the mattress on no the floor. it's not uh <laughs> my uh my older child um recently got a sleeping bag 
and her first sleeping bag. And she has, I think, slept on the floor pretty much every night. Since she, well, so for a while, she's taking it into her bed. And then because for like two or three days, she's like, can I sleep on the floor? Can I sleep on the floor? I was like, no, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. Eh. And finally, I was like, fine, just do it. And ever since I said, like, just do it, she's slept on the floor every night. So it's probably been... Time to just get rid of the bed. At least, like, two weeks. Yeah, sell that bed. Oh, my gosh. Give her so much more room in the room. I don't even think I could... I'd have to take the bed apart to get it out of the room. And it's one of these, like, buy it from target.com beds. Like, I don't know if I could dismantle it in a way that would allow it to go back together. Interesting. I'm not saying put it back together. I'm saying get rid of it, and she sleeps on the floor for the rest I'm, of her life. I'm saying it was expensive. My toddler sleeps on the floor every chance he gets. We He only sleeps in a bed because we put him there. <laughs> I, I like to lay down on the floor and sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't do it. It hurts my body. I don't think I could do it long term, but sometimes it's relaxing to me to lay out on, on the floor. All right. We <laughs> officially wandered off the topic so hard that I don't think we should even go back. Yeah, all right. Uh, this next uh, question comes from Maddie Tyak. Thanks, Maddie Tyak. He says, what would happen if you rewired your boards completely backwards, delay first, fuzz last, or whatever? Uh, well, first of all, if you rewired your boards completely backwards, you'd uh, be running all of your outputs and your inputs. I don't think that's and what he means. Generally, that Although, isn't there a guy who runs wah backwards, and that's like his signature sound for a song? Yeah, yeah. Like he runs into the output? Yeah. And then the input, he runs to his amp? Who is that something guy? Like that. I don't know. I want to feel. I want to say it's like someone in Pink Floyd or something, isn't it? Oh, Roger Waters. Is it Roger know. Waters? I don't uh, know either. But anyways, okay. So this is an interesting like thought experiment here. Uh, for sake of our argument, let's lay out like an imaginary board here that's like your standard board. Oh, sorry. Roger Waters is a bass player from Pink Floyd. Right. Right. Uh, Dave Gilmore is Dave Gilmore, the guy who does this. Oh, people are pissed at us now for sure. No. Well, oh, you man. know what's funny about that? Send is- all your hate mail to uh, tonemob at gmail.com. What's funny about it, I think it's info at tonemob.com. Yeah, that sounds good too. Uh, what's funny Actually, about- do that, guys. It'll be funny. <laughs> uh, the irony about me getting that wrong is we were talking about Divine at work the other day. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, yeah, that's the lady in all the, the drag queen in all the Roger Waters films. I was oh, like, okay. Roger Waters is the bass player for Pink Floyd. You're right, thinking right. of John Waters. And she was like, oh, yeah. Well, at least and then I got it wrong. At least she's got a, a you know, a collection of, of decent pop culture references in yeah. her head. She's yeah. not like mixing up stuff that's dumb. Anyway, uh, if you put it completely backwards, um, I kind of want to do this. You want to do this in reality? Yeah. Okay. I feel like this is... Uh, it would be a fun experiment. It would be an interesting uh, live stream. So here, here's how a pedal board is usually laid out. Like typically, you have your dirt first. Fuzz first because of impedance issues. Yeah, you know, buffers and whatnot. Uh, usually people don't like to have buffers in front of their fuzzes. They like to have them behind the fuzzes. Uh, but there are some good tones out there that you can get from putting but fuzzes But yeah, sure, dry. After, so like yeah. fuzz... Maybe compression. Some maybe you want to compress in the beginning. Maybe you want to compress at the end. It's really up to you. So yeah, that's how I would run. I'd go fuzz, compression, light drive, 
mid-drive, heavy drive, heavier drive, heaviest drive. And then I would go to a volume pedal. Wait, do you have a heavier drive on your board? <laughs> um, and then I'd have a volume pedal to swell the... Uh, to swell those dirts into my modulations and delays. Well, isn't that swell? And, and time-based effects. If you put a volume before your gains, then you control the amount of gain going to those. So same as if you turn down the volume on your guitar. Yeah. If you put it after, then you're just adjusting the volume and the gain stays the change. Yes. The gain stays the same, is what I meant to say. The gain stays the same. So then after that, I would run into my modulations, chorus, vibrato, uh, uh, you know, phaser. Actually, phaser can go before drives. F- flanger, flanger, both of those. Then I'd start hitting time-based effects. I like to put a drippy reverb before my delays to get repeats on the drip. But if you've got a regular reverb, you put it after your delays. Right. And then after everything is tremolo. 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 Tremola. Sounds great. I'm getting nailed with YouTube comments on my phone right now. Um, so do you agree with that? Of course, if you've got wah. That's pretty common. Wah can go before or after drives, depending on what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I basically have, yeah, I have fuzz first, reverb last. Uh, everything else is kind of a jumble. Sure, sure. So let's, let's build that backwards. Tremolo first in the chain. Okay. What does that do? Um, well, so it gives the, you volume modulation first in your chain. Right. But like I was saying, the way that that would affect, like the way your your guitar's volume affects the gain level when you adjust it before a drive, the tremolo yeah. is going to affect your dr- your drives and your dirt pedals. That could make some really some really wonky drive sounds because... It's going to uh, make the, the gain go up and down. Yeah, yeah. Which could actually be really Only fun. Only if those are uh, like... Uh, dynamic sensitive sure. drive pedals. I mean, if you're not, if you don't have a pedal that cleans up when you roll off the volume, right? Yeah, then it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> All right, good point, Steve. And then, so then after your tremolo, you're going to have your delays. And the way this really all is affected is what it's going to do to your gain, really, because a delay when it runs before your dirt. Uh Before any kind of overdrive or distortion, what happens is that each one of those repeats decreases in gain compared to the original signal. And the, uh, in my mind, the most classic example of this Mm -hmm. is King Missile's uh, very important song, Detachable Penis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a very classic Classic. example of delay before, I'm going to say it was an overdrive, where you hit that initial note and then each repeat lowers in gain as it lowers in volume and -hmm. it's a really interesting sound uh so then our next thing is getting into reverbs reverb before your dirt is going to be weird like really weird yeah i've done it before to experiment and i didn't think it was useful maybe i need to revisit it i'm sure like shoegazy bands do it a lot right it would make sense, um, but then a lot of those shoegazy band. Well, I mean, there's a couple. I guess. Well, there, I'm sure there's more than two um, schools of shoegaze. One of which is, you know, the the your Mogwise, your is Sun. Sun's not really a shoegaze. I know nothing about shoegaze. Um, but like, yeah, you know, I guess I would say like Mogwai 
my bloody Valentine. I think it's sure it wasn't your of, bloody Valentine. Um, bands like that, that are kind of like known for, these are all bands that like the Dan Electro fab tone was sure made for like they're, these are guys who they got a big muff. They turned sustain all the way up and they hit three, like they hit one note every 15 seconds for seven minutes. And that's their song. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's a good thing that you could do with reverb before like a heavy distortion Yeah, is it's just going to sustain your note out and just ring out that beautiful noise for a long right. time, but it's not going to like put that reverb filter on your distorted tone. Yeah. And then I at but least, like that as that note travels, it's going to decrease in gain as it trails. Right. In my mind, there's at least, you know, one of the other major, um, shoegaze movements is more of a, is like where I guess shoegaze and math rock kind of collide. Like there are certain bands I listen to where they're doing things where I'm like, I, I, they just kind of get classified as like indie rock. Right. But it's like, is this math? Is this shoegaze? Like Steve, we need to get back on topic. Do you need a lot of, do you need a lot of pedals to be in a shoegaze band? You're talking about bands and music and genres. Uh, We need to get back to the uh, reverse pedal board. Anyway, uh, my reverse pedal board, uh, I think the more interesting place would be I run a EHX Micropog in the middle of my dirt section. Interesting. Um, so I've got, right now I've got Fuzz, Boost, Overdrive, Pog, another Overdrive. No, sorry. I've got Overdrive, Distortion, Pog, Overdrive, two delays, and a reverb, I think. Hmm. It's been a while since I've used my board. <laughs> Let's be, be honest. Uh, it's, I've, it's been a few weeks since I've pulled it out. Um, I've been mostly playing acoustic or bass. Um, so that would kind of put, you know, if we flipped it, like then I guess I'm going reverb, two delays, um, overdrive, pog, heavy distortion, uh, overdrive, boost, fuzz. Um, but I feel like it would be interesting to use the reverb in front of the pog. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, and it might just, it might not be that different. I, I don't know. But that was one of the things where I said like, oh man, I, I feel like I should like do a, like a live stream or something with this kind of setup, like that's exactly what I was thinking of hmm. um, was like pog into reverb versus reverb into pog and what that would sound like. It's a, it's an interesting thought experiment to try to figure out what these things would sound like and really just go do it. I guess like I'd say do these things one at a time, like experiment with like reverb in front of your drives Instead of just flipping your entire board yeah. backwards. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any other thing that would be weird. Some modulations just don't do great in front of d- distortion. Well, it'd be interesting to see like what kind of freakouts happen. You're going to get freakouts um, for sure. And and whether or not those work. Because, you know, there, there's a conventional sense. But sometimes I think we're so, um, as like a gear community, uh, and different gear communities, I mean, like people are so 
hooked into the convention. Sure. That they don't even know that these like crazy. I like there's the- there's a sound that I have been trying to. I used to get this sound, and I I don't remember. I think it was wah into delay that just sounded like. I don't know. To me, it sounded like the seventies. Yeah. But it was like if the seventies got punched in the mouth with like some kind of like an entire generation yeah. punched in the mouth. Well, it was like just it was like it was like funky, but it kind of had this. There was like everything was being going through delay, so it was echoed. It almost had like a electro, very like electronica kind of vibe. To I know what it. you mean. Um, I you it's a sound that like I mean I I guess I'm not actively chasing it because I don't even own a wall, but it's like I haven't. It's a sound that I remember being able to hit when I was like a teenager that I've just never. Huh. Once I sold those pieces of gear, I was never able to get that sound again. Right. It's very sad. I'm very sad. Let's have a moment of silence for Steve's lost tone that he'll never get back. All right. This ad was sent by Jesse Emery. Um, this is a Fouquet. Uh, Surfcaster strap. <laughs> I was wondering how, um, how you're going to tackle this that. Is, uh, how this do you is, spell uh, that brand name, Steve? Fouquet? F U C K E R. Fouquet. Fouquet. I believe it's French. Um, this is uh, it's a Surfcaster strap. It's very surfy. It's got those uh, big block uh, rosewood I like strap that. necks. There's a lot about this guitar that I like. Um, anyway, here's a unique Stratocaster. Not a Fender, but it's handmade using the highest quality materials. Has a lightweight alder body, custom finished in nitro lacquer sunburst, surf burst. Surf burst, of course. Bound and blocked flame maple neck, nitro hip shot locking open tuners with perlite buttons. I've never seen a locking open to. I, is that like. Hold on, let me. You have yeah, to, how does that work? You'll have to find the ad to get that picture. Oh, never mind, never mind. I don't. It's. I just don't know what they mean by open tuner, I guess. Right, right. Um, they probably mean the gears are open, but when I read open, I was thinking of like the vintage style tuner. Oh, no, no, no. They're, yeah, open gears on it. Uh, with perloid buttons, bone nut, Manilius of New York, hand wound, true 54 pickups, CTS electronics with a variable treble bleed, Wilkinson high mass tremolo with pop and arm, huge steel block, and stainless saddles. Fully set and ready to gig. Includes case. Again, this is. Um, being sold as conditioned new. Uh, and this guy put a lot the of... The make manufacturer is Fouquet by Fondlewood. <laughs> and uh, the model Are you sure name it's not is pronounced Fondlewood? I, I don't know. It is French. Fondlewood. Uh, what do you think about this burst? I here. I like the color of the guitar body. I don't like that it's continued into the pickups. Yeah, and I don't I like agree. the perloid pit guard. I would. I think this would look really cool with a, um, like a aged uh, white pit guard. Okay, so it'd be like kind of like a not quite cream, but definitely yellow, and uh, the same with the pickups. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe if the pickups uh, weren't quite as aged, so they popped out a little. I mean, the the surf burst is basically um, it's the same burst that was on those um, Dan Electros in the mid late nineties. The, right, gr- the kind of, surf green to yellow. Yeah, it's the center is kind of a, like uh, a cream, like an ivory. Yeah, 
Um, what there's Fender has a specific color. Is it Olympic white? Yeah, something like that. I, I always get Olympic and titanium Ar- is the bright white one. Or is it Arctic white? Arctic is pretty bright white. But Olympic then, is then it's Olympic is like the almost cream. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of has that Olympic vibe in the center, but then yeah, it's surf cream on the outside. The pickups just look chintzy. Yeah, when you do colored pickup covers, it just ends up looking cartoony, which works on like Ibanez shredders where you put like neon pink pickups in there, but it doesn't right. work on strats generally. Right. I would prefer to see this with a flat white pickguard single ply with yellowed pickguard covers. Like, yeah. Like vintage pickguard. Uh, I don't know if this is worth $1,100. Well, it's a big bucket of parts is what it is. Um, like this but, guy. But I will say, okay, so the, the, the neck is um, vintage style. It, the truss rod is in the heel. Right. So if that's what you're looking for, I guess props to that. Personally, I think when Fender uh, flipped that around, it was one of their best design choices. It's m- way more convenient. For and sure. as much as we've been joking about this being a Fouquier, um, you know what? If you're if if you are building a parts caster, um, I don't particularly find this to be that creative. Right. Um, but I appreciate that this guy didn't just go out and buy a fender water slide yeah, off of eBay totally. and slap it on there like he I maybe somewhere else got this. I love I think it's GFS is selling like a bunch of fake water slides. Oh really? Um and I feel like we may have talked about this. Oh, are they like the novelty ones? Uh yeah, they're all like these like novelty water yeah, slides. Yeah. Um they all say like Clone caster, yeah, or or less with like two S's, pull or like just these like names that are just nonsense, right? Well, that's sort of their thing is they're writing this whole like build yourself a guitar with our parts for like under a hundred bucks sort of thing, like it's like the gimmick they run. Like I think they were doing like Instagram posts a while back where. Like, oh, look at this guitar we built with our parts for like 75 bucks. Like, here's a clearance neck on a clearance body with a clearance pickup with some clearance hardware. Yeah. So, like, a big one they sell is a, is a, it just says bespoke custom caster. Oh, their uh, Gibson Les Paul uh, is a cheapo, less dull. So, I, I, or they've got one that just says custom, less real. Uh, they've got a faker phony caster. <laughs> like these are things where it's like a stooge bogus caster. These are dad jokes. Poser faux caster. These are like super dad. These jokes. are super dad jokes, but, but you they're know, great. They're cla- we, They're more charming than putting on a fake fender. Decal. Right. It's especially if it's a very badly done. Right. Right. You know, fender decal. And this is something we've always kind of railed against is if you're going to build your own guitar, build your own guitar. Um, and I know we've talked about the whole thing with Kelton Swade and him getting like friggin' cease and desisted the crap out of his company yeah. from Fender for using Fender decals. And it's like, I don't know, man, how much creativity does it sit go does it take to like call up a graphic design studio and be like, hey, look, here's my deal. This is my name, and I want it in the Fender spaghetti logo. How much is this gonna cost me? Yeah, yeah. Like I can't imagine it's going to cost more than like a few hundred bucks to get that set up. And you're going to, if your goal is to sell these guitars at like 
$2,000 and you're planning on selling more than three of them, just fork up the money and pay some graphic designer to do a good job for you. Yeah, totally. Uh, were those numbers way off? I mean, there's guys out there who will, you know, no, I, you know, it's whoever. Pay five whatever. bucks, guys. Fiverr.com. I'm sure you can find someone out there who will do it pretty cheap. There's guys that just make the water slides for you. And it's not a big deal. Yeah, they will. Um, I'm sure you can get them for, you know, relatively inexpensive. Um, but yeah, it, I think in this case, the, the, the text that he put on there is going to hurt the resaleability of this. Sure, you got to find someone who has like that sense of humor. That sense of humor. We're like something more like, you know, like a a faker, like from GFS, like like Waterslide is going to be more like, ha, okay, I get it. Yeah, I'll buy it. Where this is more like, there's a whole bunch of people who are not going to want this on a guitar. They're not going to want a swear word on a guitar. Exactly. And then also you run into the issue where this happens a lot with, kind of like bucket of parts, like home built parts, guitars. It's like, this has a lot of very specific parts to it. And he's put the value at what he thinks all these things added up is Mm -hmm. not everyone is going to want the specific collection of parts. You know, we didn't do this episode. What do we need to do? Housekeeping. Okay, we'll do it after I'm done talking, Steve. How about that? I thought you were done. How about that, Steve? I thought you were done. Uh, This is where we break up. The show's over, guys. Steve interrupted me. But what I'm what I'm getting at is like I don't. Are you done yet? I don't believe for a minute that this guitar is worth eleven hundred dollars. No, I think max on this, I'm gonna say seven fifty to eight hundred. Okay. What are you feeling? No, I think that's. I think that's fair. It's just like when you make a parts caster at home, it doesn't matter how good you make it. If you don't have actual, like a actual brand that you're standing on and it's just like you're putting on, you know, novelty water slides and stuff like that. Part of the resaleability of guitars is the brand. It's just what it is. Like you are paying for a name, no matter who you're buying for from you know i mean, you got all kinds of critiques on the gibson m2 demo that i did like oh you're just like you're just saying this because you're you know buying the brand it's like that's what we do that's where the yeah. saleability yeah. of guitars a lot of it comes from the brand like you could make a a guitar identical to a mexican fender strat but guess what you're not going to be able to sell it for more than like 100 bucks or something like that absolutely um, and that's always, you know, you can rail against how bad Gibson quality has been over the last few years. But the reality is that, you know, if you buy something, if you, I mean, Gibson Les Paul Studios have been the same price on the used market for like the last decade. Right. So you're not losing money if you buy one. Um, and that's not something that you can say for something like this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's never going to carry the value part for part as a guitar with a recognizable brand name. Even if you find a small builder who's, who busts out 10 guitars a year or something like that, but has like a name that's known, it's going to resale for more than a home built parts guitar. Like really, if you're building a parts guitar, the value in it for you should be the fun and the experience of it and like making something of your own. If you're trying to like 
break even when you sell it or make a profit when you sell it. Like you're in, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you know? So that's my final thoughts on this, uh, Fouquet strap. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, we got a little housekeeping, saving the best for last, I guess. The very best. Uh, I want to thank uh, Russ Stanzial for contributing at the inner circle level. Uh, sorry, I've been a little slow getting back to you. Um, I now have all of your information and will hopefully be getting you some merch soon. Awesome. Um, I just l- super lagged after our last recording session. I barely got the Wheel of Pedal stuff sent out today. Wow. Um and what's funny is I hit the dude up, uh, the guy who played Wheel of Pedals, Marty Schroeder, and he was like, he was like, oh yeah, cool. Um, can you? How much would it be to throw in a shirt on top of that? So hey, two for one. There you go. Um, but uh, oh, we, that's we, why we got that PayPal charge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or by PayPal the way, credit. if uh, if you want a shirt, we have like a butt ton of large shirts right now. Um, there are twenty dollars. And you get some stickers. Yep. And if you're international, shoot us a message. We'll figure it out. Because it might be a little more. Yeah. I'm going to do a fresh order. I tried to do the whole $20 international before, like $20 to everybody. But what ends up happening is like, okay, it's $20 to US. And it's like freaking $50 to send a t-shirt to Australia. Oof. That's an like expensive uh, t-shirt. Uh, eight ounce package. It's absurd. You should just send the file to a printer in Australia. And like, it would. It might be the same cost. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna get a fresh run of shirts made for the other sizes that we're starting to wane on. Yeah. So we're gonna keep everything in stock. Is the hope. All right, guys. Oh, uh, you, you want know, to jump on the rest of this? Well, I was gonna say since since we're talking about shirt sizes, um, if your shirt size is medium. There's one waiting for you. If your shirt size is extra large, there is one waiting for you. If your shirt size is double extra large, you're out of luck until Ryan makes this order. All right, I'll make this order this week. Um, so anyway, all, all that being said, um, oh geez, do I have another guy who's been waiting for an order since May or since April 16th? Steve. Um, anyway, uh, this week's song. Was sent to us. Well, what I was going to get to is these guys joining the inner circle. Uh, how this helps us is that we use this money to do things for the show. Uh, I'm going to be buying two air- airplane tickets soon. Two airplane tickets. Yeah, uh, two tickets to paradise. Um, the first <laughs> nice. The first trip on the inner circle bill is I'm flying to Cowerfest, so I'm going to yeah. do that again this year. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to planning on getting a lot of content there. And then I'm going to fly to Summernam mm. uh, the month after that. You're going to crash? <coughs> you find someone to crash with yet? Yeah, I'm going to be crashing with the Sinusoid Boys. Nice. So I'm I'm doing that both times. Both times they're, they're setting me up. So uh, props to those guys. So I'm going to be doing some traveling in the name of the podcast. Thanks to the Inner Circle helping out with the money that they send. We're also going to start, uh, you got to find out, you got, you got to get some of those guys and do a, uh, do a live show, not a live show, but do a, I mean, basically a live yeah, yeah, show. We'll figure something out. Uh, so, uh, cause I, I think, um, there are, are a few other, uh, podcasts that might be, uh, 60 cycle adjacent, also at Summernam. Oh, I know there's going to be, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some inner circle guys there. Yeah, there's going to be people there. It would be there. cool to get those guys up for some tent. Um, yeah, pitch and tent. That phrase that we made up. Um, 
what else was I going to get to before you interrupted me? Oh, there's new merch that's going to come out soon. Uh, there's we're flirting with some advertising opportunities to help grow the show. Like all these things happen because the inner circle sends us money. It's more than just a private club where we tell each other our darkest secrets. It's also a great way to help the show and help us grow as a show. So big thanks to the inner circle guys. Yep. All right. Tell us about the song, Steve. Oh, you know what we have to talk about for the song? What? Speaking of you staying with the Sinusoid guys. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We got to thank our sponsors, uh, Sinusoid, makers of fine quality. And I don't just mean like fine, like, oh, yeah, they're okay. Yeah, whatever. I mean, uh, like, fine. How's your day going? Uh, fine. I mean, like, she's so fine. Too. All right. Um, so, Sinusoid and also uh, Walrus Audio and their video or our video for their pedal, the Monument. Harmonic tremolo is currently on a little site called YouTube. Yeah, you go check it out. If you, you might you might have heard of it. Yeah, if you haven't heard of YouTube, what have you been living under a rock? Like, go check it out yeah, already. Uh, but the monument is a super rad pedal. Uh, check out this demo, especially if you're looking for a tremolo right now. Yeah, it's a great trim. I'm in love with it. Um, this week's song brings us a little full circle. Uh, this was sent to us by Jeff, and he's in a band called From Wildfire, and uh, they sent us the ad. They didn't send us the ad. They were the subject of the ad. They were the subject of an ad from two weeks ago that Donovan Carter sent us uh, where we talked about an ad that literally had been like lit on fire because they didn't want a bitch drummer. Um, and Ryan like texted the numbers like, hey, guys, we talked about you. And uh, they sound like they super dugged it. Yeah, they super they super dugged, super dugged it, super dugged it. Not just regular dugged it. Who's Doug? Uh, anyway, this song is called Ponce de Leon. It has been featured on San Diego local radio Rock 105.3 local artist spotlight. Uh, when Marty was doing it, uh, is Marty still doing it? I, I don't no know. Um, Good old Marty. So uh, thanks uh, from Wildfire. Thanks Jeff for sending us this song. Um, it's kind of funny how I actually, I really love that. Like, I want to say when it, like we kind of made fun of you guys, we definitely did make fun of you guys uh-huh. and you guys roll with it and send us a track. So thanks for contributing to the show. Yeah. And welcome to our audience. Yeah. If you want to contribute to the show musically, send us an MP3 or other audio file in an email to 60 cycle humcast six zero cycle humcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Here's the song later guys.
Hell yeah!